On the record. On News Talk. Kevin Doyle standing in for Kieran today on the record. We're joined now in studio by Health Minister Simon Harris. You're very welcome, uh, Minister. Thank you for joining us. For having me. We want to go through a lot uh, that's going on in health at the minute, but let's start with the abortion legislation, mm-hmm. which is working its way through the doll at the minute. And I watched uh, a good bit of the debate, if you could call it that, that took place during the week, because after 35 years, um, it is painfully slow what is happening in Leinster House at the minute. Um, is it a plain filibuster or are these genuine concerns that are now being raised by some TDs who are opposed to abortion coming in and were opposed to the referendum? Yeah, you know, I've been thinking that myself as I've been sitting there for the last, uh, I think, 14 hours last week, 25 hours at committee stage. And you're right, this is a debate that's been going on for 35 years. And of course, there's people in the doll, just like there's people in society who have different views. But the majority has spoken and this legislation is going to be the law of the land. And I do really think now um, at this stage, we need to move beyond the kind of rehearsed positions that people on both sides, quite frankly, have. Uh, the Eighth Amendment uh, was repealed from the Constitution. The people told us to get on with it now and legislate. That was their verdict. The legislation we're introducing is very, very, very closely aligned uh, to the draft legislation that was published in March. I was actually looking back through it yesterday and substantially it's exactly the same piece of legislation in terms of the grounds. So the people voted knowing what the draft law would be. And absolutely, like the, it's, a, it's a statement of fact to say, of course, TDs have a right to put down an am- amendments and of course, every TD has a right to speak. But when you know that today nine women will leave the country uh, in crisis to seek termination in Britain, and when you know that today three women will take the abortion pill illegally without medical supervision, there is a balance between your right as a TD and your responsibility. So is, is it a, a filibuster then? I think it probably is. Um, but I do think TDs on both sides of the argument, quite frankly, uh, whether you're in favour of the legislation or against the legislation, I don't think any of us need to stand up and rehearse uh, our long held positions. That includes me. So you'll see you'll see when I'm debating the legislation, you get seven minutes uh, to respond to each point. And I'm not using the seven minutes because my views on it are very well known at this stage. It's so I don't need to, to be reminding everybody of them. I just need to get on with it. It has occurred to me watching the debate. And I know normal people uh, with actual lives don't watch these debates. Sure. But what is happening is somebody gets up, makes once an amendment, uh, some of them have been around the area, such as disabilities, trying to put in what they see as extra safeguards into the legislation. Um, they get seven minutes. Then everybody else has seven minutes to respond. And you see TDs on your side of the debate, not necessarily some within your party, but some on the Fianna Fáil benches, some on the Sinn Féin benches. They get up and talk for seven minutes on it as well. So are they actually hampering the system? The people in favour of this are actually hampering it. I, look, I think, I think, I think there's a to point, make a point. point to make, and I don't think anyone's doing that intentionally, but... We, we had a very, very, very long and quite good committee stage debate, actually. Like, it went on for 25 hours. It was generally uh, very respectful. Almost all of the amendments were discussed on at, at the committee stage. So we've had that debate. We've debated them. We've voted on them. And, and the outcome of the vote is kind of inevitable. So, I mean, we, we know that amendments will be, will be put down that are highly unlikely to be accepted because we've already debated them or they go against the will of the Irish people in the referendum. So this is the week. This is the week where the doll needs to really step up. Well, that, this is where I'm going to the, the, the end and, game and, of this is... You've promised this is going to happen in January and there is a potential that if this continues this week uh, and we edge towards Christmas and there's a lot of other legislation which has to to Mm. get on the slate before Christmas as well. Is that January date set in stone or could, is it possible that these TDs 
are going to force that back by either weeks or even a month? I really hope not. Of course, in theory, it's possible. In theory, it's possible if the legislation doesn't pass. But I gave a commitment that I wanted to see these these new services in place in January. That remains my position. A huge amount of work has been done in parallel, led by Dr. Peter Boylan, to make sure services are ready to be introduced. There's been a lot of stakeholder engagement. From my point of view, we we haven't we have been, you know, really giving the time and attention we need to get the legislation through. But I do need the cooperation of the opposition. And you, let me you, give you an said- example of this because, like next week in the Dáil you know there's the thing called private members time where the opposition get a chance to put down motions so people before profit solidarity I think they they had a motion down and in fairness to them they've withdrawn that to give their time next week to deal with abortion which I I want to thank them for I think it's a responsible thing to do Fianna Fáil have private members time next week it's on promoting cycling it's a very important issue they won't give up that time now promoting cycling is a very important issue but it's not as important as women's reproductive health so if Fianna Fáil Fianna Gael Labour Sinn Féin Solidarity Independence pretty much everybody in the Dáil regardless of their perspective has said we're not going to delay this legislation we're going to give it the time that it needs and every party leader in the Dáil has said that they will work for the swift passage of the legislation there's an onus on all party leaders now to provide all of their time in the Dáil next week to get this legislation through and, and not to not to be saying in public yes I want it through but in private oh sure, we're not giving you any of our Dáil time and that's entirely hypocritical I mean, You said in the days after the referendum result that January, it would happen for January, and you you set that deadline. Yes. It wasn't forced upon you. No, and if I didn't set this deadline, do you think we, do you think we'd be where we are now? I mean, if if the minister of the day decided, ah, yeah, the people of Ireland have voted in overwhelming numbers to care for women in crisis in their own country, but we'll get around to it when we get a chance. I mean, that would have been a really dismissive thing to say. But can you actually promise people, as we sit here this morning, with two and a bit weeks of the doll left before Christmas? that that deadline will be met. Can you say that categorically? So here's my plan. My plan is to get it through the door this week as early as possible. I need the cooperation of the opposition. I'm one person and my government's in a minority. I need the cooperation of the opposition. The earlier we get it through the door this week, the better. And then to go to the Shannon either by the end of this coming week or the following week. And with the cooperation of the Shannon, yes, it is possible to pass this legislation before the Houses of the Oireachtas arise uh, for the recess. Um, So it's absolutely possible. The deadline that I set is entirely doable, but it does require people not trying to obstruct that deadline. Now, the problems don't stop there because there are GPs meeting today um, concerned and on a few levels. One is conscientious objection. They they don't want to find themselves in a position where they either have to be involved in helping a woman procure an abortion or to even point her in the direction in some cases of how she would do that if they're not the GP that can help them yeah. specifically. And then on the other side, um, there are those willing to do it but just feel, how are they going to add this to their workload? It's already... Uh, overburdened as they would see. Okay, let's take them in in the reverse order. So the GPs that want to know will I be properly resourced to do that? We've addressed that because we did about 10 days ago reach agreement with the IMO uh, on the fee that would be paid to GPs to adequately resource general practice and I think it was objectively seen by all as a fair fee to provide the adequate resources and to make sure uh, that we were properly supporting GPs to do this. Expressions of interest have been sent out to GPs. Uh, they're due back I think this week and many GPs are indicating and you've probably spoken to many of them they are willing to do it. You're entirely correct there are some GPs who don't wish to provide the service. GPs are just like the rest of us citizens, they have different views in relation to this and they absolutely have the right to conscientiously objection. I'll always defend their right to conscientiously object. It's a long-standing uh, medical principle. It's governed by the Medical Council. The law on abortion is changing uh, the law on conscientious objection is not changing. But if you're, if you're saying to me that a woman who goes to her GP in crisis 
looking for help and looking for a service that is legally available in our country and that that woman should be shown the door or given the cold shoulder. That's not conscientious objection. Conscientious objection is that you don't have to be involved in a procedure. So no doctor, no nurse, no midwife is obligated to provide this if they conscientiously object. But I just I just can't fathom a situation where somebody in crisis, perhaps even a rape victim, would sit in front of a doctor and say, I need help. And the doctor would say, there's the door. That, that's not, that's what, not what I know of doctors in this country. But we've done things to further help because I don't want women finding themselves in those awkward situations either. So we are establishing a 24-7 helpline that will be a medically staffed helpline. And as well as providing non-directional advice, that will also be able to direct women uh, to doctors that will provide the service. So I, I, I do want to say to doctors, and I know there's doctors with genuine concerns, conscientious objection is in the law. There is no difference to this conscientious objection than the one already in place in protection of life during pregnancy. But conscientious objection cannot mean that a, a, some doctors who campaigned for a no vote would endeavour to obstruct the delivery of a service because we live in a democracy. People voted in overwhelming numbers to provide this. Individuals can conscientiously object, but this is going to be the law of the land and we are going to help care for women in our own country. On the workload side of it, though, there is... It doesn't just stop at the GPs. There are women who will need ultrasounds uh, and scans uh, of that nature. And some reports that you're now looking at and the HSC is looking at bringing in private companies, private firms to carry them out because the backlog in the health service already is such that they may not actually get those within the 12-week cutoff period. Yeah, so firstly... I, I, I've heard a lot of this during the debate in the Dáil in recent days and it, it can kind of be boiled down to this idea that you can never actually address women's health needs until you've solved all the other challenges in the health service and that's obviously a nonsense. Yes, we do need to make sure that where a woman requires an ultrasound and by the way, the vast majority will not require an ultrasound. GPs date pregnancy every day of the week, many, many times a day often. But where a woman requires an ultrasound, um, probably after nine weeks, but it's a clinical decision and um, we need to make sure that there's access available to that uh, within the time frame. And Dr. Peter Boylan and the HSE are leading on that and it is likely uh, that we will use uh, private providers in the interim whilst we build up capacity in the public health service. The, the bigger picture then in health because we are now the 2nd of December uh, we are moving towards that Christmas period which is traditionally and will again uh, I think you probably would even accept it is going to be a crisis period in our hospitals around the country. Um, report in Sunday Independent today that you're appointing a hospital czar uh, to oversee this winter plan which um, has been delayed or at least the perception is that it has been delayed. We had trolley the trolley count over the week going over the 100,000 mark. Are we? Is it inevitable that in three weeks or a month's time we're, we're going to be talking about record numbers on trolleys over the Christmas period again? It's inevitable we're going to have a really, really busy time uh, in the health service um, coming into January particularly. What tends to happen, as you know, is the health service tends to stabilise in the run-up to the Christmas period and then there tends to be a significant surge in activity in the early days of January that does lead to overcrowding in our health service. Um, we've been in a cycle of that now for many years. I do just need to say a couple of things in relation to context, though. Last year, 1.4 million people went through our emergency departments. This year so far, there's over a million people. And we do just need to be very careful that we don't give the impression that everyone ends up on a trolley. Everybody waits long. There was a survey out last year, not a survey of talking heads or politicians, but actually of patients who spent a night in an adult hospital. How did you rate your experience? 84% of them said good or very good. 79% of them described their time in the emergency department as good or very good. So yes, there are serious challenges, there, but, but I, have to debunk this, I have to debunk this myth, though, um, that does, does often come across in media and political discourse. And this is not 
defending the challenges. But with this myth that everybody waits a long time, everybody waits on a trolley, it's not it's not actually the reality. Too many people wait on trolleys. So what are we going 100, to do? 100,000 people. 100,000 is, is, is an awful lot and far, far, far too many. But 1.4 million people went through the emergency department. But so you said a cycle. A people expect it, it, the, the definition of insanity is doing the mm. same thing over and over again. And we do this over and over again, and you've just admitted we're going to do it again in a few weeks' time. No, you're right. That is the definition of insanity, and that's not what we're going to do. So what we're trying to do is break the cycle. And how do you break the cycle? You've got to recognise that there are not enough hospital beds in Ireland, that we went through the Celtic Tiger and didn't build any new adult acute hospitals, that actually in 2011 there were fewer hospital beds in the health service than 1997. We've begun the process of increasing beds, 240 more beds in the health service this year than last, another 79 due to open in the coming weeks, and the HSE will announce further beds this uh, for the beds this week for the winter period we've also just sanctioned 550 more home care packages to help get particularly older people in and out of the hospitals quicker but i do need i do need and ask for um, the support of everybody this winter period in terms of making sure that we keep our emergency departments for emergencies that we use alternatives where they're available so we're going to be extending the opening hours of our primary care centers of our minor injury units and um, we obviously have gp out of our services as well so it is important that we keep the emergency departments for the emergencies and yes it is true to say that the period in January will be a busier period than, than people can generally well, expect. On that then, so you're asking people to stay away from A&E effectively unless they actually need to be in A&E. So you're not going there with your, your cold or your flu. Um, but the shock a few weeks ago asked that doctors would work more over the Christmas period uh, than they previously had. By now, the HSE, we're in December, would have done their rosters for that uh, Christmas period. Have they changed their rosters? They've made sure that there is adequate provision of staff over the period of time. But the Taoiseach did have a fair point here, and I need to, I need to, I need to highlight it. The length of stay, so how long a patient stays in a hospital, increases over the Christmas period compared to other periods. That's a fact. So you're, if you go into hospital over a Christmas period, you're likely to spend more time in the hospital than you are if you go in in, let's say, October or February or March. So why is that? Now, one of the reasons is that doctors and nurses who are working hard over the Christmas period often don't have access to diagnostic tools. So you're, you're in the bed waiting longer for a cat scan. Yeah, no, I, I think the Taoiseach so, in fairness so had, had, had a good he chance had to outline that. And he did, he did and, have and, a point. And I want to just tell you what I'm doing to respond. Point. I just want to tell you what I'm doing to respond to his point. So to address the Taoiseach's point, what we're doing this year is we've asked the NTPF to make sure that we actually have longer hours of opening for, for our diagnostics. So that actually, if you're lying in a hospital bed waiting for a test during the Christmas period, you can actually get that test much quicker. So that's the sort of thing we've been doing to try and respond. But have those rosters point. changed? Have are there now more doctors? Did people respond to that? Because it got a very, very bad reaction from both the, the doctors and nurses who felt that the Taoiseach was blaming them for what's happening. So has it changed? He wasn't blaming anyone. He was highlighting a point. The, each hospital and each hospital group has put in place its own roster and they've had to satisfy the HSE that they're adequately rostered. So, I mean, so come, in, come in January, yourself or the Taoiseach can't come back and say, shall we told you there wasn't enough doctors in the hospitals? No, that's not the intention. The intention was never blaming anyone. The intention was saying, and Leo used the analogy, if you were about to have a sale in a shop, you'd know your shop was going to be busier, you'd staff your shop for that. We know the January period is busy in our hospitals, we need to staff for that. But it's not just about the doctors and the nurses, it's about making sure that they have the tools to do their job. And that's what we've been putting a lot of focus on. I'll be chairing a meeting uh, with the HSC and with hospital group managers on the 28th of December, another one on the 31st of December, uh, to make sure that everything that possibly can be done is done, but I'm not going to lie to people. I'm not going to suggest that January is not going to be a very busy period of the health service. It absolutely okay. is. Okay, and I, I want to move on because the, the cervical check controversy, if we can even call it that, is still bubbling away. There's constantly stories in the paper, but the latest over the weekend was the Taoiseach 
talking about how quickly keep people are getting through the, the court cases in this scenario and, and the potential that some of these poor unfortunate women may actually pass away before court cases are concluded. And a lot of the commentary has said he was scapega- scapegoating the courts by basically saying it's not happening fast enough. Um, that was a reaction to calls for more judges. Yeah, you know, I I don't know enough about it. Do we have enough judges in Ireland? I hear a judge on on the bench uh, over the weekend or on Friday saying we don't. I'm not going to get involved in the Minister for Justice's brief. Nothing annoys ministers more than another minister pontificating about their brief. But what I do know is, as health minister, this is in my brief, we need to provide alternatives to court uh, for women impacted by cervical cancer and ultimately for anybody with a clinical negligence issue. So I asked Judge Charlie Meenan, probably the most eminent member of our High Court when it comes to clinical negligence, to look at what could an alternative look like. He presented me with that report and I'm going to go to government this month uh, with my response in terms of what those next steps look like. He talked about trying to provide a tribunal. Now we often talk about, you know, we think of kind of investigative tribunals, that's not what he meant, but an administrative tribunal that could assess each of these uh, cases. I do need to point out though, and this is a fact, mediation is available today uh, and indeed a number of cases have already been settled by mediation. So there are already alternatives to court, but we do need to find more. There's absolutely no doubt about it. Just to be clear, you're saying the Taoiseach said it's not about more judges, it's about the court system getting them through faster you don't know whether he's right or wrong well, I don't know how many I don't know how many judges you need in Ireland to adequately staff your courts that's a matter for the Minister for Justice what I'm saying is there are things I can do and will do to make sure there are alternatives to court mediation being one and acting on Judge Meenan's proposals to set up an alternative mechanism will be another Okay well a judge had very critical words for you during the week uh, Judge Halpin who had a case before him where a mother had to wait 27 months uh, to get her son help this was a a teenager, we don't actually know the age, but we presume under 16, who was up before the courts, uh, that the parents for not uh, having him attending school. And the judge basically said um, that he wanted her, the mother to write to you because the system for help, getting help for children uh, with, that need mental health assistance is so poor. How yeah. is that possible that someone could be waiting 27 months? to get help for a mental health issue. Yeah, so on, I, unlike the judge, I don't, under the Health Act, I'm not allowed to comment or direct the HSE in relation to individual cases and that's the law passed by the Oireachtas. But what I can do and should do is make sure that our services are adequately funded. We've provided Jim Daly, the Minister for Mental Health, with a budget of €1 billion, Euro, first time ever for mental health services uh, in 2019 and he's working extraordinarily hard to make sure that the adequate staffing is in place. They're We've not adequately partic- funded if someone's waiting 27 months and ends up in court. Well, you see, Kevin, you have to, you have to look at the, the scenario in relation to recruitment and retention we've often had a situation in mental health where we've had challenges in actually recruiting some of the people for our child and adolescent mental health services but what are we going to do about it? I'm not just commenting on the problem. Um, We have brought in a new grade in the health service called assistant psychologists. We've hired 143 of them in the last number of weeks. They're going to start dealing with the less acute cases to free up more capacity in CAMS for the more acute cases. It's entirely unacceptable but there are actions that the government's taking to address this. Has this woman written to you yet as the judge suggested? Not that I know of if she has. I certainly haven't seen the letter directly but if she does write to me of course I'll be responding to her directly. And the judge had caught her not to be too disappointed if her calls fall on deaf ears will they? I very much respect the separation of uh, the courts from the government and I'm sure they respect it as well so I'm not getting into a tit for tat with the judiciary and uh, my record of engaging with citizens on important health issues is, uh, is clear. Okay, I just want to touch on one last story because it's in a couple of the papers today around the National Maternity Hospital. Uh, 350 million euro has been what's been pledged to it. Um, the headline in the Sunday Times suggests that you've been meddling in the process uh, because you're looking for a public interest director to be appointed to the board. Is that the case? Well, I actually looked up the definition of meddling this morning and I think everybody should uh, if there's the time to do it. But med- meddling actually 
is defined as involving yourself in something that doesn't concern you. Uh, the building of a national maternity hospital that's going to care for many, many, many tens of thousands of women, their newborn children, um, and going to make sure that adequate women's sexual health policy can be advanced in our country is absolutely the concern of the Minister for Health on behalf of the citizens of this country. And if anybody, and of course these are anonymous, nameless, faceless people, uh, want to make pejorative comments about me, they're very welcome to. But this is not 1950s Ireland. Uh, the Minister for Health of the day and all my successors will be concerned to make sure that when we as a state fund a hospital, pay for everybody who works in the hospital and have to make sure that health policy is advanced, of course we're going to be concerned. So no meddling, but absolutely a determination to build a state-of-the-art maternity hospital on the campus at St Vincent's. And you want a and public want, interest director? Unlike people uh, quoted in newspapers, I'm not going to I'm not going to start negotiating on the air, but I do think that it's right that the state would have a seat at the table uh, when it comes to modern governance. I think it's absolutely right that that would happen. I am, by the way, just to just to be clear, I am confident that we can make a lot of progress on this in the coming weeks and that we can proceed to construction in early 2019. Just finally, then, that there has been a joint letter from Hollis Street and the St Vincent's Group uh, warning that if you don't sign that contract, it has to be signed by the 31st of December, I gather, um, that we could end up having to go back to building projects on board Panala, all that again, will you be signing it by the 31st Firstly, December? I mean, the letter ignores the reality that I don't sign anything. These are matters for the HSE. I've promised Cabinet that I'll go back to Cabinet with proposals in relation to this. You'll remember, you'll remember this and the women particularly listening to this will remember that there was an outcry that the original proposals were not adequate from a governance point of view or from an ownership point of view. I committed that my department at a very senior level would engage with both hospitals to get this right. That's what they've been doing and I won't be pressurised publicly into a settling for anything that is less than the women of this country would rightly respect. This is 20 21st century republic. Uh, the state absolutely wants to be involved in the delivery of healthcare, expects to be involved and expects to have a seat at the table and I'm very confident that we can make progress along those lines. But just finally to, to be very clear on it, if that's not uh, sorted out by the 31st of December there is a, a delay here, there is a cost here. Yeah, I expect this hospital to proceed. Uh, I expect agreement to be reached. Um, I'm, confident that it, I'm confident that it can be, that there's good progress being made and I'm of course conscious as is the HSE of the timelines involved. Okay, we'll leave it there. My thanks to Minister for Health, Simon Harris. This is Kevin Doyle in for Kieran Cudahy today. Lots more coming up on the programme, including we'll be checking in with the Off the Ball team to get their reaction to the Euro 2020 draw. On the record. On, the record. on News Talk.